0: what is up hockey fans welcome to the first ever never odd or even podcast i am your host uh commissioner and sole content generator for the what rhymes with puck fantasy hockey league aj and i'm glad that you could join me today for something that ended up being a much bigger pain in the ass uh than i thought it would so thanks for being here Uh, i'll spare you the gritty details on that one but it was definitely as exhausting as it was annoying so, uh, before we get into today's episode, uh, a few comments on why we're doing this. First of all, it just kind of sounded fun, right? Uh, I thought about doing a podcast at multiple points, but for whatever reason, never put in the time or effort that it would take to get one off the ground. And like I mentioned before, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of freaking effort that went into making this. Uh, second, I've always thought that this would be like a really good exercise for my skill uh, something that could re- actually help me professionally. Right. So obviously I've written stupid amounts of, of all kinds of garbage, uh, but can I accomplish the same sort of control and flow in an audio recording? Uh, can I learn and, and master the editing software and figure out how to make stuff into a solid production? Uh, I guess we'll see, uh, because honestly, this first episode is going to be lacking a lot of that stuff, like music or transitions, um, sound effects, all of that. So right now it's just some outlines, general scripting, and uh, you know, a face built for radio. Um, and then finally, I'm, I'm doing it for you. Uh, I started to wonder if, if a podcast might be easier to digest than a 2,000-word blog post. I'm sure, you won't have like fun pictures, graphs, or videos to go along with the hockey updates, but I'm also not sure how much you actually interact with those things when I put them in there to begin with, so it, it could just be a wash. It's also worth noting that Jacob Foley supported this endeavor for accessibility reasons. Um, he was saying that he's pretty sure most of you can't read, so this may actually qualify as charity work. Uh, of course, there are some things that I'm definitely worried about. Uh, obviously, the tech stuff. I've put in at least five hours of effort into today's podcast, and that was before I even you know, hit the record button. Uh, I worry about mistakes, nerves, uh, poorly executed jokes, and general suckiness that, that can come with not being able to edit the audio content the same way that I would a written blog post. And trust me, when I post a blog, it's gone through at least a dozen reads and usually just as many tweaks. And finally, I'll definitely miss trawling the internet for pictures or information when I'm struck by something funny or insightful at the very last minute. It's not like having a written document in front of you that you can walk away from for an hour and come back. You know, Once you hit record on this thing, you're pretty well committed to the act. So um, definitely going to miss that and, and just the refined you know, piece of art, if I dare call the garbage that I produce art, um, that, that I can produce by taking my time and really reviewing it. So yeah, uh, you know, hopefully you'll have some forgiveness in your heart for the mistakes that I'm sure to make in these first few episodes, and honestly, I just hope that there's enough good shit in here to keep you coming back. So anyway, I'm very excited uh, about our first episode today. Uh, Jacob will actually be joining me over the phone to talk about one of my favorite hockey movies of all time, Mystery Alaska, and then we'll compare evaluations of our league draft and maybe make some predictions. So, you know, let's get to it. All right, so with me on the phone is Jacob, um, three-time league champion. Uh, I went back and actually checked the blogs and confirmed that. Isaiah contested for a long time, said you only won twice in a row, but uh, check the history. Uh, You definitely had a three-peat in there, unfortunately, for the rest of us. So how are you doing?
1: Doing great. Uh, uh, I'm a little upset, still a little sore, about my four-peat. Being spoiled by corona definitely the worst thing that happened to anyone last year was getting yeah. robbed in my fourth consecutive title
0: yeah I mean political unrest 400,000 deaths there's nothing uh in comparison to having a, a fantasy hockey title stolen away from you because the postseason was eliminated for sure
1: I mean throughout history we've seen pandemics we've seen political upheaval we have never seen a four-time consecutive fantasy hockey winner in our league so it would have been unprecedented
0: that that's true um but in fairness I also don't think we've ever actually completed four consecutive uh seasons so um you know baselines and all that uh not not a whole lot to live up to I guess uh yeah I actually I actually do firmly believe that you would have beat me uh when we got into the playoffs I had like four dollars of cap space left and my team was reeling a little bit. I was making some deals looking ahead to next year, and then the league got canceled. So
1: I wow. might talk a big wow. game,
0: but I was in fear of your team.
1: Wow! I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me, and yeah. uh, I will shoot better tonight. Thank you.
0: I think uh, I think the rest of the league though appreciates me uh, breaking up. You know the title run though. So you're starting over this year. <laughs> you know, good luck. Yeah. Um, not rooting for you at all. <laughs> so, uh, well, so we're
1: gonna a movie that you made me watch. You made yeah. me watch I've, the first time I've ever seen it.
0: Okay. What do you uh, think? Just your thoughts.
1: It's a, spoiler alert, it's a terrible movie. And uh, I thought we were friends. I am,
0: uh, I am so disappointed <laughs> that you think it's a terrible movie, honestly. Um <laughs> It's one of my favorite uh, hockey movies easily. and one of my one of my more favorite sports movies, but we'll talk we'll talk kind of about that a little bit. Um, I sent you some themes that I kind of wanted to talk through. Uh, so yeah. I think I think one of the big things for me about this movie is that it's kind of a really it's it's like a really grown up sports movie. And in one of my notes, I told you that like when you're looking at the relationships, it almost feels like a hallmark movie, right? but like with better casting. You know, you got Russell Crowe, Hank Azaria in there, and, and some other big names. Um, I sent you some notes on the different relationships I wanted to look at. I want—I want to start with your thoughts, though. Like in the terms of the way that they develop relationships throughout the movie, you got to admit that's some quality, right?
1: Well, um, yeah, I think that was almost it. It was almost too contrived. There was too much going on. There was too many things. It was a two-hour sports movie, uh, which is a stretch. And as far as being a—it was a Disney movie. I don't know if you because it, oh, it, uh, it was released under a different name, but it was Disney because Disney can't release R-rated movies. So they used one of their little subsidi- subsidy com- um, companies to release okay. it under. Uh, and then the other thing is, like you said, the casting was great and that there was big names, but honestly, in 1999, none of those were big days. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, probably the biggest star was Little, Rich, little Richard. Yeah, is it little or is it little? I don't know. He's not a rapper, so I'm assuming it's. it's little. I'm pretty
0: sure it's little. I think he actually puts the T in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right, that's actually cool. pretty funny. I mean, Mike Myers is in there. You know, he's got a cameo in there. He was pretty great. Um, so,
1: but this movie came out the same year as, um, as Austin Powers, and and just before uh, Gladiator. Yeah. So both of those guys became really famous just after this movie was released.
0: I'm actually so geeked that you did that much research into it because uh, you know that's that's one of our talking points coming up the Hank Azaria versus Russell Crowe, and I did some deep diving there too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think the I think the character development was, was actually super solid. I mean, you've got some some solid relationships out there um, that you know, people thought were just kind of vanilla and okay. Uh, the mayor and his wife, you know, there's a comment in there. It's like, well, now we'll have something to talk about after she cheats on him, <laughs> right? Like, obviously, they're just boring and he's focused on running his committee and running the town. Um, yeah. Everything looks good with John Beebe and his wife, but obviously, you know, she wonders what's out there in the world because Mystery Alaska is, like, a nothing town. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And then I think the the skank Marin and... and, and like every girl in town is kind of humorous to me. So it's like, we've got serious relationships in here and we've got, you know, the man whore just running around, you know, hooking up with everybody that he can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. again, I think it was a kid, but it was just so much like, uh, it was almost like they're just cramming so many tropes into one movie. Yeah. Uh, like all the ones you had listed where they, they are, I think they just kind of tried to do too much. Yeah. Um, which is even actually, even, when we're talk, even when we're talking about later later when we're talking about hockey, I think one thing that when you're managing a team, whether it's a real life team or a fantasy team, they always say, um, I think it was uh, Bill Simmons used to always say you never trade a dollar for four quarters. Yeah and so they didn't have like that one amazing actor that kind of really set the tone. It was like a bunch of pretty good actors. Oh, like I love so that bad. mayor guy, that Irish mayor guy, like he's amazing in some stuff. Yeah. Um, and he was a good miss too. It was a good mess. It was good acting. It yeah. overall was good acting.
0: I mean, I think there were there were great performances for a lot of the characters that were in there, but you're right like it, it lacks focus and so you weren't really looking for any one of the actors or characters to really carry the whole movie because they just all had their bits, you know, and and they were good at what they were doing, but nobody's on screen yeah. for like 20 minutes at a time. They jumped around so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, even the the young kid um the premature ejaculating. Yeah, Stevie uh,
0: Weeks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's such a weird, like, I don't know, I think that might have been where the movie was weakest was just editing. I think some of that stuff should have been cut out, tightened the movie up and focused a little more. But like, that led to like one of the funnier scenes when he has a concussion and he's making this concession. Yeah. Uh, and then and then that also led to the scene with her with her mom, which is also very funny. But at the same time, it did add a ton to the story and or develop characters that well.
0: So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And and that's actually that generates a couple of my favorite quotes in the movie. But we'll talk about that in a bit too. But. I agree, yeah. like, like when I think about it, and as I got to the end of the movie, you know, it did dawn on me that it's not so much a sports movie as it is a movie about a small town. And that's really what all the tropes are, right? The tropes are all small town America. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Everybody's in each other's business. And then you're invaded by um, what I think is the main theme, like money corrupting the things that you love and like the big city coming to take over your town. yeah. And I I think they carried
1: that pretty well. Yeah, I know. And it's so hard uh, because I was a little conflicted about it because growing up in a small town, it is one of those things where, man, I hate it here, uh, but please don't talk bad about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like the shibbling thing. God, my brother's an idiot. Uh, Just don't you say that. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah,
0: yeah. My school's full of idiots, but I I have school pride. I felt
1: so conflicted the whole time. I was like, yeah, do I who do i sympathize with here the the people that want to get out the people that want to stay and um but it was good yeah i did like that part i do it made me i haven't really thought about pale or being from a small town in a long time but it, yeah. it made me think about that and pine a little bit i mean i still probably won't be back there anytime ever but. yeah
0: imagine if pale put together like a street ball team and somehow they got you know uh, I, I wouldn't say the New York Knicks because they might actually win that game, but uh, oh, yeah. Say the say say the Warriors came to town to play them or something, and you know
1: yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's just yeah no, but I think that was kind of one of the harder things too. Is I because I never seen the movie before again, and I think that I thought that it was um, like based on a true story going oh, yeah. into it. So, Which which sometimes those, um, based on true stories, are so unbelievable, but you can get away with it because you're like, well, it's a true story. Yeah. It's just an unbelievable thing happened. But this is like super unbelievable and also very contrived. Yeah. And um, so it's like once in a while made it hard to suspend belief that, yeah, that the Rangers actually would acquiesce to go to Alaska in the middle of the season well, I mean, to play it. They had to
0: cave, right? Like, uh, like the fat the fat lawyer from Mystery went down to the big city and had a heart attack on the courtroom floor. You can't oh say no goodness. at that point, yeah, because we know union yeah. bosses, you know, are so soft, and that that death would have definitely swayed them to send their players, you know?
1: No, no. that's And that's something I hate. In movies, when it's so clear that they're trying to manipulate my emotions, especially when they fall short, because they haven't made that guy likable enough yet. They really hadn't. Like, just something like about that that guy, that character, I wasn't like, oh, no, no. I, I don't even know his name. I didn't even bother to <laughs> learn it.
0: That's funny. I don't know, like, most of the characters' names. Um, the actor's name is, like, Maury something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I yeah. found the character likable. Like he definitely played to his audience in a small town. Like when you look at the courtroom scene with Price World, um, you yeah. know, part of that theme of them coming to take over. Uh, he definitely he knows he's going to win. He walks in that courtroom. He knows he's going to win. All he has to do is say a couple of key phrases. You know, New York Rangers hockey, and everybody's looking at their star center going, you know, we're going to forgive him. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But then, I mean, I think he was really great with the kids, too. Like, the interactions with John Beebe's kids. Like, you could tell he kind of had a heart, and he was into everything. Um, and, you know, I bet you're right. With so many people on screen, like, he was one of those characters that was underdeveloped until he was literally having a heart attack on camera. And <laughs> <laughs> at that point, I, gu- I guess it's too yeah. late.
1: All yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So, um, I want to move on to the Hank Azaria versus Russell Crowe argument. Um so I want to look at it from two different perspectives. So first of all, who would you rather be in the movie, right? Like Hank Azaria's character is, you know, he's from this town, he got out of this town, he resents this town, but he's gone on to be, I mean, obviously a successful author, right? He's being published in Sports Illustrated, he has enough sway to get a network to look at this town. And then you've got Russell Crowe's character who is the local sheriff, um basically having a midlife crisis, right? Like He's getting kicked off of his uh, rec league uh, hockey team. And uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do with the rest of his life. And he's pretty sure that his wife resents him for locking her down in this town. So where would you rather be?
1: I was, I was listening to this podcast the other day, and they were interviewing this um, friend of mine. But I, I was laughing because every time they would ask her a question, she would be like, Oh, that's an awesome question. Literally, every question they asked her, to, that's an awesome question. Uh, so, I just want to let you know, I hate this question. I think it's, a, I think it's the worst question. <laughs> this is a terrible question. I'm so conflicted because... It's my first uh, podcast.
0: Give me a break, man. Come on.
1: <laughs> but I'm so conflicted about it. Like, it's such a tough question because you're obviously supposed to want to say Russell Crowe. Like, that's kind of the, the point of the movie. It's more noble to stay in your hometown yeah. and to raise your family and to be loyal. And I get all of those things, but I didn't do that, <laughs> and I yeah. don't regret not doing that. I mean, I did the family thing, uh, but I wanted to get out, and I wanted to travel, and I still do, and I did, and I want to do more of it. And uh, so I I've kind of down the middle. Like, yeah, if I could take the family aspect of Russell Crowe uh, and then, like, have the successful career and get to go to the big city, as it were, like Hank, I would... I would choose a little bit of A, column A, and a little bit of column B. Well, you know, Russell Crowe's
0: character really doesn't have that uh, particular opportunity because he is the sheriff in Mystery Alaska, and you know that his bank account is basically empty. Um, But yeah, he's definitely got that, like, nobility, right? Like, he spends his time, you know, saving the wolves, you know, policing poachers and everything, and teaching his kids not to swear. I mean, that's where the bulk of, like, his effort is at, it seems like um so you definitely Baby like he's supposed to be noble? the hero uh, they're they're an endangered species and uh, uh, oh, i don't I... know it looked like the guy that well, he was I... uh that he was talking to though might have been like native you know he may have actually been like a native alaskan or native canadian or something and i mean maybe that's like part of their culture or religion and i don't know i i mean i didn't see any like cattle farms or anything so i can't think of what he
1: was protecting yeah yeah, I, I didn't know wolves were endangered, so I guess that's the educational part of this podcast. I, I didn't either,
0: but I just made that assumption based on the fact that he was threatening his freedom over the fact that he killed wolves. I was like, there's got to be some sort of <laughs> right? But yeah, I'm with you. So like Charles Danner, um, you know, Hank Azaria's character, he gets to do the cool stuff, right? He gets to see the world and fly in helicopters and, you know, gets to follow passion projects like his writing and stuff like that. Um but ultimately, like, you see his character, too, is, is kind of lonely and looks back and, you know, wishes he had done some things different. And he definitely wishes that the town that he grew up in appreciated him more than they obviously yeah. do.
1: Yeah. No, that's definitely sad. Uh, you know, that that relationship dynamic, though, with him and um, and Donna, though, John's wife, uh, I, I kind of – I thought that was a little bit laughable because we've all done that. We all romanticize our high school relationships. Yeah. Uh, but then, if you like really, really think about it, think critically, and maybe don't think about yourself, but like even each other, like we know who we dated in high school, yeah. and what a nightmare that would have been. Like as much as you might want to romanticize, oh, what if? But in in honesty, it just you're not remembering it because if you look at any high school relationship, it's a train wreck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a component to that too, though. And, and John talks about that, and Donna even talks about that in their conversations where she had some aspirations beyond mystery alaska and it feels like john locked her down a little bit and so i almost feel like john's like looking at her and it's not like she's got eyes for charles danner so much as she has eyes for this lifestyle that could have brought her out of this little town oh yeah yeah but ultimately you know i don't think that she ever intended to do anything crazy i think that it's just that fun little fantasy that she probably had, this like flirty idea that like, Oh, here's my high school flame, he's been all over the world at this point. It's so good to see him, he's fascinating, he's interesting, but like I just never it, she never struck me as somebody that was gonna like cheat on her husband and Charles Danner never struck me as somebody who could close that deal.
1: Oh yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And no. I mean no. he, no, he, he skated like he, a homosexual. Said, uh, so. Yeah, he skated like a homosexual. And then she she said something like, it's hard to be a woman in this town. So,
0: yeah. So then the the flip side of that, uh, whose career would you rather have? Russell Crowe's or Hank Azaria's? And and you kind of talked about it and I was super impressed that like Gladiator hadn't even come out at this point. Right. And so he wasn't like super big yet, but everybody knows who Russell Crowe is now. Um, But I don't I don't know that everybody would recognize Hank Azaria, you know, if he was on like a national syndicated nightly tv show
1: yeah oh so you're talking about the actor now so like yeah acting crew do you think is more successful yeah yeah um oh boy i don't know because uh, this Russell crow that one movie is like top 10 like yeah i'm gonna show my boys this movie they have to watch this movie
0: yeah it's an incredible movie um
1: Yeah, and generally, Hank makes most of his hay in television, although he's been in some movies. He's in uh, Smurfs, you know?
0: (laughs) That's, uh, you know, I I actually trolled both of their IMDb pages, and um, Smurfs was not one that I wrote down as being, um, you know, something that I wanted to comment on. So, uh, for you for picking that up, I guess.
1: (laughs) I have five kids, like... uh, uh, I just looked up their net worth. It's pretty similar. Hank's yeah. worth about $80 million. Russell Crowe's worth about $95 million. Yep. Uh, man, Dude, you're doing all know. the same I,
0: legwork well, that I did. This is so awesome. I have that written down as like 0.1 what their values are. $15 million when you're up at that amount of money really isn't that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, because Hank, he makes $300,000 per episode of The Simpsons.
0: And that's going to be forever.
1: And voiceover work. I have got to believe, maybe I'm a liar, maybe I'm insulting some people. It's got to be the easiest acting work. Like, it's got to be such an easy side gig. You don't have to do makeup. You don't have to do the long stage hours. I think most of them are just in the room alone, so you don't even have to mess with co-workers.
0: Yeah, like, I think just that, doing your voice. they've got to be the right people. Like, I couldn't voice act, most likely. You know, you've got to have somebody that's got some of the, those acting abilities to put themselves in a character's shoes and carry through just like any actor but i would agree that it's less taxing um you know especially less physically demanding you know he's not in any scenes yeah. or anything on the simpsons and he voices multiple yeah. characters and i mean that's just a testament to his yeah. skill right he's, he's really but when i look through russell crowe's imdb like beyond gladiator what what sticks out
1: um Le mis that's him right
0: uh, yeah but does it really stick out I
1: mean, I, mean, I ter- don't like that movie, but a lot of people do.
0: Did Teresa make you watch it? Uh,
1: I don't even remember. Like, I think it was just public outcry that I had to watch it.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: but we don't have to talk about that because that would be a whole other episode. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, then, I, I'm like, an
0: adult, so I watch what I want, but okay.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, but Hank is very The Simpsons, and if you know anything about me, that's that's my show. That's my thing. So of course I would choose Hank, even though he yeah. was making half as much as Russell did. Like it would still be worth it for me to just get to work with Dan Castellaneta and weirdly uh, and all those iconic Simpson people and no Matt Groening on a personal level. Like, yeah, would be awesome.
0: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like you'd want Hank Azaria's career without a doubt. And I went through, you know, both of their IMDb's Russell Crowe has got, you know, One of the one of the top five, top ten movies of all time, especially, you know, from a man's perspective. Um, But past that, not not a whole lot else. But Hank Azaria has been like prolific beyond, you know, even The Simpsons. So in the 80s, he was on Family Ties. He was on Growing Pains. So he pretty much solidly covers the entire 80s through early 90s, like white yuppie community. He's all about that. Um, he was on Designing Women as a cameo. <laughs> he was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air.
1: Yeah, you have dove really deep on my friend. <laughs>
0: he was on Friends, right? And then, like, what of the okay, ones that yeah. I think that, that like, you'd recognize Um, that I think is underrated is Mad About You. Like, he was actually a recurring character on Mad About You. Uh-huh. Uh, which was okay, really solid. Him. It's the first time that I can remember him making me laugh. Like, like seeing his face and being like, oh, this guy's funny. Uh, yeah. But then you talk about movies, and he's not, you know, a leading man in movies, but some of his cameos have been just absolutely epic. So he was, um, if you've seen Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller, uh, he's the scuba instructor.
1: When they go, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, just a super hilarious, like, he's probably got like three to five minutes of screen time total, but he's freaking hilarious. And then in (laughs) Dodgeball, he's young patches of Houlihan. So, when they do that like 50s, 60s oh. style like gym video where they're talking about, you know, okay yeah all that crazy stuff, you know, uh, he's that character. So, that's amazing. Um, he also yeah. shows up on Futurama, which is my favorite uh, cartoon ever. Um, yeah. And then I don't know if you've watched
1: Brockmire at all. No, I haven't heard of it.
0: Um, it's got like three seasons in it's him and Amanda Pete. And he plays a. Um, alcoholic broadcaster for baseball and he actually starts the the first episode he's a broadcaster for the kansas city royals and he's super drunk and he ends up getting fired and then it's like a redemption (laughs) arc and it's just like really like think of like your most misogynistic stereotypical old white broadcaster trying to find a new way like in this world um super solid stuff there too it's very very funny um but then the the last thing that that if like none of that sold you um, which obviously you're already sold, but in the '90s, the Spider-Man cartoon, the actual good uh-huh. one, he yeah. is Eddie Brock in Venom.
1: Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So I to just me, I'm like him
1: in, uh, Night at the Museum yesterday. Oh yeah, magazine.
0: yeah, he's in there too. I think Russell Crowe's in a couple of those too. Yeah. I think. Right. Sure.
1: Cool. Um oh, yeah. Azaria where are we at? Him. Where are we at?
0: All right. So, yeah.
1: And...
0: Yeah. Tra- transition time. Uh, so, um, you know, first first off, this this fucking town was, was a note that I have in my notes. Uh, just this, this town, <laughs> right? You got a sheriff who rides a snowmobile, and basically all he's doing is being a game <laughs> warden. Um, when Connor is arrested uh, for shooting the Price World rep in the foot, uh, the first deputy <laughs> on the scene doesn't even realize that, like, a crime's happened. He hasn't detained Connor. he hasn't read him his rights, and he seems confused when John tells him to read him his rights. Um, and then I, just, like, all the courtroom stuff.
1: But I, I kind of agree. I think that if a police came on scene and you said the bullet ricocheted, I misfired and ricocheted and it hit him in the foot, there's a chance there's not an the there.
0: Right, but in order to determine like the facts of that entire case, you're gonna have to ask some questions. And if you're asking him his yeah. questions without a lawyer present, then you've got nothing. So, like, even step one, like if you're just gonna det- detain him for questioning, you've got to read him his Miranda rights, right?
1: No, not until he's arrested. I'm pretty sure this isn't a lawyer podcast. I don't think, but like, I think as long as you're just detained and you're not arrested, you don't have, you don't get your Miranda rights.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we won't go too far into that because you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Thanks for reminding well, me. I'll send it off to Legal Eagle and see if he'll do an episode yeah, on, yeah. On, Mystery
0: on, on, on Mystery Alaska. The,
1: and he, the he 144th and for 1999 it was 144th in box office ranking.
0: <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I'm pretty sure I was like one of three people in the theater to see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was only in theaters three weeks, so that's amazing that you saw it in theater.
0: Hey, man, I, I didn't have a whole lot going on in 1999, right? <laughs> I, going to the movies by myself was my thing. Uh, all right, so yeah, let's let's go into quotes, um, which I think is, is going to be kind of a fun section. So um, one of the questions that I have for you is just in general <laughs> the usage of quotes, because I think that when something hits, like when something really hits and becomes like mainstream pop culture ish, um, like think like Letterkenny or the League, um, the quotes stop being fun and start becoming like obnoxious. Does does a quote have to be like relatively obscure to be like enjoyable?
1: Oh my goodness, Porter! So you want to rob us of puns and of movie quotes? We have literally no other comedic avenues that we are gifted in. You, taken both of those
0: things from? you you say that, but I mean I've been I've been making at least three people laugh like once every couple of weeks, like with my with my blog. So I mean generate some original content. No, I don't want to take movie quotes away, but I think we all know like that obnoxious person who only communicates through the medium of quotes and like can't cobble together an original thought or an original insult or yeah. an original quip. And I'm thinking like bradley like four years ago when he just spammed everything with quotes from the league just nonstop.
1: yeah yeah no and there is, it, but you're right it's a sliding scale so uh my life a lot of time is doing movie quotes and nobody in the room getting them uh but when one hits it hits hard you know yeah. it's a little obscure uh but it, if it's super um commonplace and you complete me type stuff and it becomes cliche then of yeah. course you toss it out i think letter is a little bit of a different animal because their quotes are insidious yeah. i don't think people in- intentionally adopt Letterkenny quotes they're like earworms that burrow their way into your brain and then you find yourself saying it um maybe ironically at first maybe unintentionally at first then it becomes part of your vernacular and then you just can't get rid of it
0: well and some of it just is so so simple and so like on point. Like like things like pitter patter. Like we've all been in yeah. a situation where you're all like standing there talking about doing something. And it's like, well let's let's get to work. Pitter patter. And it yeah. just it fits. I'm surprised perfectly. we're not doing it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More hands, less po- Great Day for Hay is one of my favorite. Um, <laughs> but like I also feel like when you're using those quotes, you have to misapply them to some extent. Like, you would never actually get out of a pickup truck to go throw hay bales and actually say, great day for hay. Like, Yeah. nobody. But, you know, if you're just, like, you're out there going to shovel snow and it's really sunny out, you're like, great day for hay. Like, it just... Yeah. Like, the misapplication yeah. kind of makes it forgivable to using something that's almost cliche. Like, like the yeah. whole, like, you and complete me. Like, you wouldn't look at your wife and say you complete me because, like, she'd no. slap you and call you gay, but, like... You know, if somebody hooks you up with a good assistant basketball and you get an easy layup, you might run back to them and and look them straight in the eye and say, you complete me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the comedic genius behind Never Odd or Even, I think. So, you're right. You're totally right.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. um, We'll take our compliments once every, like, six years. Uh, So, okay. (laughs) So, then, I want to know what your favorite quotes from the movie are.
1: Well, the best quote, I already used it once. So I'm a premature ejaculator
0: I like, I like that I like one. It. And then I like the follow-up. Um, oh, what is it?
1: Uh, her tits are so per- yeah, perky. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. Um, I've got it written down somewhere. I don't know. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was because of your I- sister's breasts. They're perky. Like, he looks a guy in the eyes, and like, it was because, it's like, oh my god. Yeah,
1: I also like, uh, uh, it's kind of early on, but when the helicopter first came, she calls me, calls Russell Crowe on his, on his thing, and she goes, there's a helicopter over Town Hall. It looks Russian.
0: Oh my, so. I'm so glad you brought that up. Could you imagine how wild it must have been to live in Alaska in the 80s? Yeah.
1: Like,
0: full-on red scare nuclear weapons oh, pointed yeah. everywhere and like you're broken off from the mainland of your actual country and you're closer to your enemy than you are to your friends
1: yeah no i never thought of that that's okay, that had to be yeah. a crazy
0: experience like they had to think constantly that they're probably entry point two i mean yeah russia'd have to go across site like here it's a long ways but yeah
1: well, and it's so great because Russia's become the villain again, and it's like an old friend. It's like I'm so happy when it's like, oh, yes, we hate Russia again. The yeah, there's feels, that sense right. of
0: familiarity. We
1: might not be practicing yeah, so drills we,
0: where we hide under a desk, but, you know,
1: it feels yeah, good. Yeah, and so... We, any, my plan is now, anytime I see a helicopter or an airplane fly overhead, I'm just going to say, it looks Russian.
0: It looks Russian. <laughs> I, and that was kind of like follow-up. It's like, okay, so where would you want to use like, these types of quotes? One of them that, that I've used for years, the uh, the one that uh, Bailey, the attorney, uses, where he's like, forgive me, your honor, I'm fat. I love, I love using <laughs> yeah. I'm fat as an excuse for things that have nothing to do with me being fat, you know? Like, yeah, no, like no, oh, I forgot weird. to do that task. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm fat.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then I like the mom in the scene, the uh, premature graduation ball, where she says, "Uh, if you don't leave, I swear I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) That is such a good thread, isn't it? It's one of those things where like, like the dad knows. The dad knows it's something he doesn't want to know at that point, and he's legitimately terrified and has to get out of there.
1: Yeah. If you don't leave, I swear I'll tell you. (laughs)
0: Um, I've got Uh, some good good. ones in here that I really liked. Uh, The the quote from uh, Donna. When the mayor's like bragging about all the stuff that's coming and he's talking about the Zamboni and she's like a Zamboni. I'm I'm getting wet. Just thinking about it.
1: I'm wet already. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the mayor's just like absolutely shocked, which was like
1: a great moment. I used that one already though, before I even saw the movie. So um, they might've actually stolen that from me.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. You often (laughs) feel sexual arousal from Zambonis then. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe, maybe it's not so much that they stole it. It's just a shared experience. It's like you yeah. and hockey wives um, yeah. feeling it at the same time.
1: Exactly. Uh, uh, parallel thoughts, what they
0: call it. Yeah. I Every idea that happens in your brain has already happened in somebody else's brain. There's nothing original yeah. in this world anymore. <laughs> uh, you got any more?
1: Oh man, I thought I had one. Like everything that Mike Myers said was funny. Like I didn't yeah. memorize any of them, but he was hilarious. It's like the the yeah. rub and a tug
0: was really good. I, uh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, he's a genius. Um, <laughs> uh, I got a few more. So I really like uh a couple of the the Skank Martens ones, where um that I play hockey and fornicate because they're the two most fun things to do in cold weather. Uh, yeah, I think that that's perfect. You know, it's winter. There's nothing to do. Like that's why so many kids are born in the fall. Um, I like when the kid's reading from Sports Illustrated and he's not a very good reader yet and he does the, like, uh, Skank Merton is a, the, a master of sticky sores on his. And the, <laughs> then he cuts him off.
1: Found it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, so there's some of these ones that I was like, okay, these would be great when you take them out of context. So... After the guy, you know, after Connor sh- shoots the guy in Price World. Um, and he's trying to, like, apologize to John Beebe for getting demoted from the game. And John's like, Connor, you just shot a guy. Like, <sighs> the whole, like, you pull that out of the context. Like, anytime somebody's not paying attention to what's important in a situation, like, you just you just shot yeah. a guy. Uh, and then I like the the old lady in the town hall. Uh, this might be an old lady mm. talking, but I've always thought you are a bit of a prick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me yeah, so much of like great. my grandma. <laughs> yeah, she was
0: great. I loved her. Uh I also like God's sakes. I don't understand like where that comes from. If that's like a regional thing and you know, like people saying holy crap or whatever, um, is that like as you get into Canada or even like Wisconsin? Like, do they say God's sakes a lot? Is that a thing?
1: Yeah, yeah who knows. Canada and Wisconsin and Alaska. Alaska's not very close
0: to Wisconsin. so. I mean, they're I both think. way up there, though. They're, you know, yeah. they're close to Ontario <laughs> Bay, both of them. They're pretty close. Uh, and then the last, the last one that when you pull it out of context is going to be great, too. So um, when Stevie Weeks and his girlfriend are hooking up in the, uh, the snowplow and he, you know, blows his load in the condom, prematurely <laughs> ejaculates, she looks at him because she doesn't know any better. She just looks right at him and goes, does this mean we're done? <laughs> so like,
1: oh that, that poor kid
0: I know I know and then he never he ends up leaving town without actually hooking up
1: with her no and yeah. that's such bullshit he, oh Teenage. yeah he's going
0: he's going to like minor league hockey he's not going to be yeah. a virgin when he gets home
1: no no she was worried about him on Saturday games and he's yeah. going to go be in minor league hockey traveling from city to city yeah
0: yeah, especially as soon as him and uh, Connor get sw- like, switched up, like one of them gets promoted or sent in a different direction to a different team. As soon as that kid doesn't have anybody around him that he knows, he's balling out.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, just kids that age, like with yeah. that impending travel, they're going to find a place, whether it's in a field or in a car or
0: whatever. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> True story. True story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, does that mean we're done? Like, that's going to be my 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 awkward close to anything now. And, no, like you said, it's going to be one of those references that nobody gets. But in my head, I'm just <laughs> thinking of that scene the whole time. Like, the awkward, like, so does that mean we're done?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it. I'll remember.
0: Uh, the last one that I really, really liked that um, I think kind of leads into our last um, – a uh, couple of topics. So the judge has that great quote during the town, town hall where he says the two things, two things we have always had in mystery, our dignity and our illusions. I suggest that we cling to both. And <laughs> I feel like that's so appropriate for a small town because you, you knew at least a dozen dudes in high school who thought they were the biggest, baddest thing ever, even though they lived in a town of like graduating class of 130 people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, don't expose yourself to the bigger world because you're going to shatter your illusions. You're going to find out pretty quickly.
1: Uh, it's sad though.
0: It, it is. It really is. But you know, it's a sadness we share. We, we grew up in Paola, Kansas and that's, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, maybe we should uh, take another quote there. Maybe we should fast forward to the hockey part. Um, yeah. So the Saturday game, uh, I want to start there. Uh, how does, how does something like the Saturday game evolve?
1: Yeah, like uh, if anything, just the structure of it. I would, I think that there's a similar probably um, culture to some of the basketball games and like those Rucker Park okay. type areas, those um, iconic street ball areas. I think there's – I've never been there. I've never participated. Obviously, but I think there's probably certain courts that only the known players get to play on. But do they, they have a gatekeeper,
0: like the committee, to decide who's done and who's not?
1: Yeah, I, I almost bet. I almost bet there is because probably half consensus and then half. Hey, these are the elders of the group, uh, and if they say you can't play, if you don't have to, uh, yeah, you have to play, you're not. Gonna I could,
0: I could see like an Uncle Drew type character, like in a record park, like who goes up to somebody yeah. and says, "Hey, man, it's it's time for you to," or "Hey, man, you you can't get in this game because you know you haven't earned it yet."
1: Um, yeah. Either direction. Yeah.
0: yeah. I just it feels so awkward that those three people have so much power over the game that means that much to the town.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it was very odd how formalized it was. Yeah. Uh, that, cause that's a very, um, it seems like a very, uh, high context culture. Yeah. And that's a very low context way of doing things. Like it should have been like, they shouldn't have been called the committee that people just would have known culturally who should be in the game and who shouldn't be in the game. And it'd be pretty obvious to everyone.
0: Yeah. And somehow nobody was, you know, going to the judge for any of that, despite the fact that obviously he was the only other person who had actually been outside of mystery at some point. Yeah. Um, so and then something else that kind of blew my mind, right? So we're talking about the Stevie Weeks guy and, you know, the committee's like, we can't, we can't hold him back anymore. And they're like, well, he doesn't, you know, John Beebe's argument is he doesn't have any experience. And, you know, experience counts for something. And we see that, you know, the second that that Weeks takes the ice, he gets knocked out, right? Um, Yeah. The committee's like, well, he can't get experience without getting called up. And you're looking at this town. So Skank's a teacher. You see about 20 kids in his classroom. There's a scene later on where the mayor's wife is outside of her classroom. And there's like 20 kids in there playing the recorder, just, you know, trying to make people kill themselves. There's obviously a decently healthy child population in this town but when stevie weeks is celebrating getting called up to the game he's with like three other teenage boys how do they not have some sort of like league for like 16 to 20 year olds that's going on simultaneous to the saturday game
1: who says there's not
0: Well, the only credentials that they have for Stevie Weeks getting to go play is that he skates the river. Like, he couldn't puck handle and skate down ice without looking at the puck. He's obviously not actually practicing hockey skills. He's just gotten mad endurance.
1: Huh. Well, um, yeah, because I would assume they have a high school team. Because even the one guy that goes and plays in college, the judge played in college, and and he never got to play in the Saturday games. So unless he was a walk-on, but more than likely, I'd bet that he at least played in high school, I, I would mean, assume.
0: Maybe. Uh, there's a lot of kids out there playing, like, peewee-type hockey, you know, the, the opening scenes of the movies when the ice is open. There's a lot of kids skating around with sticks and everything. But, like, you never see any organized hockey action in that town aside from all of the adults.
1: But they even call it the Saturday game. So if there wasn't games on different days, do you think they would bother calling it the Saturday game? What would interest just be is their game?
0: Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question.
1: Yeah. I, I still don't buy I it. Because even the other kids were like, um, I'm next. One of his friends in the cafe said, I'm next. And so there there was a bit of a, like, he obviously felt that he was the second best in their friend group at hockey. And they never would have figured that out just from skating. Yeah. Really just skating.
0: Well, they didn't They didn't seem to believe that he was actually the second best in the group, though. They were kind of not impressed by his assessment of his abilities.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, they had to have been playing. I mean, if you have a rink there and you're a kid, they've got to be playing constantly. It would be like soccer in a, a town in Africa where it's just they're probably playing from after school until, yeah. until the street streetlights come on.
0: I just wish that Stevie Weeks didn't almost die. I mean... Like that—that's sort of a hit, and then that's sort of a punch immediately afterwards. I just think back to like Sidney oh, Crosby yeah. losing almost an entire year of his life from a concussion.
1: No, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, this is definitely made in a, a time when we weren't so concussion. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, not quite as bad as the Mighty Ducks, but you know, you know, still not recent yeah. at all. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Mm. No, I was done. Oh, okay, okay. So. um... I'm running into, uh, like like I said, the first episode of the podcast. I have one more thing that I want to talk about about Mystery Alaska before we move on to um, talking about our league. But I have a system limitation that we're running into at the moment. I really didn't think this segment would go 45 minutes, but here we are. Um, I've been having a good time. So let's take a really quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the big game. And then um, we'll talk about uh, our league and how we assess our draft that we had recently awesome cool all right talk to you in a minute
1: okay.
0: all right we are back um got a little sip organized my notes we are ready to move into the last part of the movie itself um and then we'll dedicate the rest of the time to our actual uh, draft and the way that we broke it down so so the big game uh, You know, uh, the attorney, Bailey, goes down, he dies in New York, and his sacrifice brings the New York Rangers to Mystery Alaska. And, uh, you know, at that point, they had about two weeks to prepare for the game. How plausible (laughs) do you think this outcome actually was?
1: (laughs) Not at all. I mean, it was completely, again, it's so unrealistic, and they were just trying to play with your heartstrings. But the way, what I did appreciate, though, was, how um, uncliched it was. Like you never see the good guys come out and take an early lead. Yeah. Usually they're just getting hammered the first period of the first half or the first quarter, whatever sport it is. And then they like barely squeak it out in the end. But the, the flow of the game was very unique in that Mr. came out, scored the first two goals. And then the second period, like got just shellacked yeah. five to zero and then even the end where, where he ginks it, and yeah. it, it wasn't even for the win; it was for the tie. Yeah, and I was like, you wouldn't even give him the tie. Well, so.
0: they're like they have to lose, right? Like everybody, everybody knows they have to lose. Anybody with half a yeah. knows they have to lose. Yeah. So I felt like the the post was a little generous. I feel like you know, the New York Rangers should have had somebody who could win a face-off uh, with 50 seconds to go in the game and that they could have ground the clock out. I, I Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I absolutely not plausible. I, I mean, the New York Rangers brought, you know, if they brought their full team, they brought four lines of forwards, you know, three guys on each line who have played together yeah. for the entire season and training camp. Cause they're at their all-star break, right? They're halfway through their season. They bring three lines of defensemen, um, big, bruising guys who are going to grind on you and just absolutely light you up. And then they'll have a couple of goalies, and honestly, they probably didn't need two goalies. But I actually paused the movie at the end. Mystery Alaska has eight skaters. They have 10 yeah. total hockey players on their team.
1: They set up 11 skaters. At one point, like when they are introducing the teams, they said 18 skaters for the Rangers, then only 11 for Mystery.
0: Oh, well, that doesn't make it any better. Um, no. Yeah, so of those 11, um, two of them are goalies. Or they said 11 skaters. Okay, so they would have had 13 on the roster.
1: Yeah.
0: But how would you break up your 11, your 11 skaters? You got lines of three, so what, three, six, nine? You get three lines of forwards and one set of defensemen? Yeah. Seven forwards, it, four defensemen?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like we probably don't need to sit here and parse this out, but you're right, because they played four on four going yeah. into it. And then they added um John, so that would have been nine skaters and then one goalie. Yeah,
0: and so. then the other the other aspect of the the version of hockey that they played against like what the New York Rangers, what professional hockey players do, they draw sticks to determine what team they're on this week.
1: Yeah, none of yeah. these
0: guys have played with each other in an actual game before. Yeah, I mean, it's just no, a, it, no yeah.
1: It's ludicrous. It's yeah. ludicrous for sure.
0: Okay, so so my second my second question, and it's kind of MythBuster style, plausible, busted, or confirmed, right? So let's talk about the effect of the weather on the NHL players um, in the in the first period. Uh, obviously, mystery jumps out to a two nothing lead, and a lot of that is attributed to. Little Richard uh, freezing out the Rangers and the Rangers not being able to cope with the negative 10-degree weather.
1: No. No. No, everyone, because like, most of those guys are probably Canadian, right? Like, if we looked at the Rangers roster today or in 1999, half racist? Canadian. Uh, that's not racist, right? <laughs> no, but, like, uh, and then even everyone up north, even my friends from Michigan, what they always say is there's no such thing as uh, bad weather, there's just bad gear. And so yep. the Rangers are going to have better gear than the guys from Mystery Alaska. They're going to have some kind of electric heated something underneath there, I'm guessing. I don't know. Well, We're that's warm, kind of what
0: warm. I was thinking, too. I went and I looked. The first outdoor NHL game was actually four years after the movie. So it was in 2003 and, we, and then they played the first outdoor NHL game. But then I went back, and it's not a good marker, but to me, like – the founding of under armour is kind of a like a line of the sand where we started to move towards modern you know athletic equipment and a lot of that's like gear for hot weather gear for cold weather they were founded in 1996 so obviously you know and, and then you look at yeah. like, the nfl they've been playing in shit weather for forever right like
1: yeah, yeah.
0: professional athletes are going to know how to cope with the cold and more to your point one of the things that that i consider too is that the Rangers are going to have somebody on their staff who's like responsible for outfitting their team. And part of that's going to be making sure that they have cold weather gear and that they have, you know, possibly a heater or whatever it is, hot hands, like whatever they need on the bench to keep themselves warm. So considering that the Rangers weren't ready to cope with this, that, that particular individual got fired, right? The equipment manager, whoever he was, he's definitely not on the plane home
1: yeah no yeah they were they were warm they were fine uh, and yeah there's yeah canada's cold too
0: yeah 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 right yeah so then uh then my next question uh and I, you kind of brought this up earlier when we asked about the cast for this and you're like well at the time this came out little richard was like the most famous person you know in the cast so my third uh mythbuster style question is that they could pull Little Richard for this event. (laughs) No. You don't think so? I think this one's actually plausible. I think network money would get him there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a price. I mean, you could get anyone anywhere for the right price. Yeah. Especially in celebrity land.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, he probably wasn't very happy when he got there, and he realized what he was doing, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, because I think that's even, again, the point of the movie is that they spent, this This movie was a $28 million budget and only did uh, like $5 million at the box office after he gave it to the theater. So you stop rubbing in
0: how bad this movie is? I like it. All they, right? got,
1: they got big chunks of money, like even to get him in this movie. I think they had the pretty, they had the pretty cities. So.
0: Okay, so since this movie came out um, after um, Gladiator instead of before. Who's playing the lead role in this movie?
1: <laughs> okay, uh, who knows? I don't know. Is I, it, I, I are we bringing back 1999? Emilio Estevez
0: because we think he could skate after Mighty Ducks? Like, that's yeah. your other option, right?
1: Yeah. I I kind of did wonder with Russell Crowe if they made his character a slow skater because, like, they couldn't even make it fake to look like he was a fast skater. Like, I wonder what his actual skating skills are. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Um, and that's one of the things that I kind of talk about towards the end in, like, my final notes on the movie. But we'll talk about that in a second. So there's a second half to the Little Richard question, right? So. We think he, we we'd get him there. Somebody wrote him a check. He's going to show up. What are the chances that the mayor can actually talk little Richard into one singing the national anthem as slow as he did, and then two throwing O Canada on the back end of it?
1: <laughs> do they do the Canadian national anthem at hockey games if one of the teams not Canadian? I don't think so,
0: but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if they did because, like you said, a large yeah. population of like NHL players are Canadian, so.
1: Yeah. But I don't I, think they did do. I don't know. I don't care. I like it. I actually like that part of the movie. I like how much I like Little Richard after the fact, and if he did go with the small town yeah. scene. And, and the Oh Canada thing cracked me up when he started, and I was like, what? What, I like that the
0: network guys are like, wait, dude, this isn't in the notes. It's like the guys running the cameras are like confused by it because they're trying to go to commercial. Yeah. Uh, oh Canada,
1: what's this? Uh, yeah, I'm suspending my belief and believe that Little Richard's the nicest person in the world, and he was all in, and that was like a true to him character, and he was playing himself exactly as he would. As he I, I kind of love this life.
0: because that, like, all of your positioning in this movie makes me believe that to you, Little Richard is the real hero of the story.
1: <laughs> yes, he's on I, screen I, for I like
0: three, that. four minutes, and he's he's the hero. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this is a movie about Little Richard. I don't, yeah. It was a hockey movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think we, we kind of determined that it wasn't a hockey movie at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, we kind of went um, in depth already about the game actually ending as close as it did. Um, obviously, Mystery comes back in the third period, scores a couple of goals, gets it to 5-4. Um, you know, some heroic plays. Uh, Skank sacrifices his genitals to save a puck. Um, <laughs> you know plausible that this game could have been close
1: oh no no no, no. yeah no way. yeah i mean just even the size of the guys when they were walking out comparatively. Yeah. there's no way because um, uh, like... that's one of those things like uh like even um ruffle at one point says like there's more to, to skating than speed but in certain sports, so in hockey, it's size and speed. There's a yeah. baseline. It's not everything, but you have to be so fast and you have to be so big.
0: Yeah. It'd be like
1: being in the NBA. There's not that many mighty Bogues in there because it's not It's not actually all about heart. Uh, you got to be tall.
0: <laughs> uh, well, and what do you have in Mystery Alaska? You've got the 10 best ice skaters in a small town. And what do you have in the NHL? You've got the best skaters from all over the world, right? You've got yeah. Russians, Canadians, um, you know. There's an African guy in the NHL now. Like uh, it's just insane. Like the talent pool is a whole lot bigger. It's like you know a five A high school versus a three A high school, and you don't have the talent oh, yeah. to pop up. You know,
1: yeah. And I mean, not to not to look ahead, but when you do Mighty Ducks three, it's the same thing. It's like, what are the chances that some minor league rec team kids are going to compete with all the best?
0: Yeah, somehow they are the Russia. Olympic team. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's
0: ridiculous. With like two or three additions, you know, we got to freshen the cast up a little bit.
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah i'm really rooting for goalie for goldberg the goalie to have something terrible happen to him but um i haven't seen the movie in a long time so i'm not i'm not sure what's to come well
1: he had a he had a really rough real life yeah
0: yeah that's true that's very true (laughs) yeah um so john Beebe's uh you know speech after the second period uh he he pulls the team together you know judge tricks him, uses some reverse psychology. He says, we're going to quit. We're going to just try to keep it close. We're going to trap. We're going to grind clock, right? And BB stands mm. up and delivers that heroic moment. Um, it's not quite, you know, are you not entertained? But he yells out, they didn't pull a dog sled. They did skate the river, right? Their strides are getting shorter. Yeah. They're breathing through their mouths. And yeah. we just we just completely strip away strength and conditioning and agility drills from a professional yeah. hockey team like yeah. they're spending millions of dollars on these players, and they're not having them lift weights or you know sprint skate until they're throwing up.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's the Rocky, was it Rocky Four effect where uh, lifting a log is somehow better for you than like being in a world class gym. Yeah, it's just that romanticized notion that anyone has access to this level of excellence.
0: Yeah. I feel like if Rocky IV were more of a modern story, um the Russian would have like had his heart burst or something from all the steroids that he was doing. Um, <laughs> and that would have been but I mean Rocky was on him too. Like, you know, that's you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Um so my last plausible for the movie, um my last uh my last MythBuster style question. Connor and Stevie uh get AHL contracts out of this.
1: <clears throat> uh I think that's plausible. I think mm-hmm. you see that okay. where uh, we'll find obscure basketball talent or hockey talent or in soccer all the time in obscure places. I don't understand the um, NHL minor league system as well as I probably should. So I don't know if AHL is the only place they could have gone in or if there's a lower level they should have started in. That's, um, that's a fair question. And honestly,
0: 20 years ago, it was probably different than whatever it is today.
1: Yeah. And even like just having skating speed. Like if you think about it, if you go to Cuba and you find a kid that can throw a 99 mile an hour fastball, he'll, he'll be in the minor league. So put him in there somewhere. I yeah. don't care what else he can do. Don't build around that.
0: That's a, that's a good point. That's a really reasonable, like well thought out response to a question about a movie that you hated. Um, I feel like, I feel like Connor had a shot. Um, I feel like you see Connor working stick handling shooting Um, a lot. And in the Sports Illustrated article to begin with, they refer to him as Mystery's Cruise Missile. And so obviously, he's pretty fast himself, right? But literally, the only thing that we ever brag about Stevie Weeks on is the fact that he can jizz super fast. And he's a fast skater. I I mean, like he doesn't demonstrate anything other than I guess the potential for being like super young, you know, there's a value to being a very young person who has an elite skill and they feel like they can teach you stuff around it. I don't know. I I just feel like neither one of them have played five on five hockey ever. Like they don't have any knowledge of the game that they're going to play. And it just, that can't bode well.
1: Yeah. No, um, Connor, did his slap shot look good, to you? Because it didn't look great to me. Like, I was like, oh, wow, that's an amazing looking slap shot. Like, when he was practicing and stuff. Like, they obviously made him hit the, the targets and things. Yeah. But, like, the actual mechanics of it, I wasn't like, oh, wow, that was a heater.
0: I mean, I couldn't tell you because I've never, like, actually tried to execute a slap shot. So, I wouldn't be able to, like, really break it down. He looked angry when he was, he was shooting yeah. the puck a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his life's been uh, it, upended. I, he almost went to prison for shooting a guy, so...
1: And you're not. I'm. I'm really surprised at this. I thought this was coming, but we're not going to talk about or mention that his name was Banks and that he had Banks on his jersey.
0: I was. I was think I was seriously thinking about it. It was very. Um, I even went back and like like looked up Mighty Ducks. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is could this be? You know, could this be him growing up and moving to Mystery and like
1: <laughs> like it's the same universe.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the Cake Eater family uprooted from Minnesota and went to to Alaska, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it crossed my mind for sure, but then when I saw the first things were different, I was just like, okay, I, we've got too much to talk about already. Uh,
1: yeah, but I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad we you brought it up, it. though.
0: I like it. I'm glad yeah. that you connected that, too. Uh, okay. I was waiting so,
1: for the triple geek at the end that you didn't have.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. Okay, so, so when I rated this movie as a movie, like as a sports movie, and I think about it as a hockey movie, I give it obviously a lot higher praise than you do. Um, and part of the reason that I give it such high praise is is because this movie actually has good sports action. Um, the players who are playing the sport can legitimately skate. There is a lot of actual um, footage where people are making skillful plays, lots of good passes. Um, you know, some good shooting, some decent goalie work. You know, some exceptions are when they do like close-ups of of John Beebe and of Tree, right? The big dudes who are faces for the movie are obviously not that adept, but when i compare it to like like sports movies that i consider good movies you know things like the replacements comes to mind you know with keanu Reeves. they reuse footage all movie long it's just the same shots of the cheerleaders the same shots of the football action over and over and over again like they can only nail one take every scene in this movie was original there was no repeats in there and so i like i gave it really high praise for that
1: yeah, I think you're reaching. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I don't know if that was what makes a movie a good movie.
0: I, uh, I mean, I think it was still kind of a good movie anyway. Um, I mean, like like we kind of referenced earlier, it could have been a Hallmark, like, Christmas romance movie. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you made a lot of really good points that have really, like, made me reconsider uh, my life um, as a whole. <laughs> and uh, definitely... <laughs> Definitely knocked the movie down a few pegs. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, okay. My sister used to tell me that. She said, don't tell me what you thought about that movie because I don't want you to ruin it for me.
0: <laughs> I think it's funny. Like, there are people that I can go to for like movie advice that um, whatever they tell me, I know immediately that I'm going to believe the opposite. And it's essentially you and, you and David. I mean, if you tell me what you think about a movie, I'm generally going to be like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to see as well. Like when I watch that movie, I'm going to see something similar. Whatever David tells me about a movie, I know it's 180. If he hated it and it was terrible, I'm like, I'm gonna love that movie, yeah. you know? Or especially yeah, yeah. when it comes I to like watch, DC I watched movies. movies,
1: because I, I watch movies because David said he didn't like them. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: I avoid movies because David said he does like them. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hate that. Movie. I'm not gonna waste two hours on that. That's that's garbage. <laughs> that's
1: funny. I don't think I've done that, but.
0: <laughs> Okay, uh-huh. so to wrap up, uh, Mystery Alaska. Um, obviously, you yeah. you. What kind of a letter grade would you give it? You're pretty down on it. Give it a letter grade as a movie as a whole, not necessarily a sports movie, but just as a movie.
1: Uh, C minus. C minus. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, in terms of a sports movie, give me give me a comparable movie. Like, if you were ranking the movies, where would this one land? Close to. Give me another movie that you think this one would be close to on a list.
1: Another one that's a sports movie? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Um... (laughs) I don't know. I think it's Mighty Ducks for for Adults, but it doesn't have the same level of – Nostalgia for me, so I would rank Mighty Ducks higher, but it's definitely okay. similar to
0: that. I can kind of see that as being like Mighty Ducks for the adults, you know, a lot less, you know, slapstick humor surrounding, you know, concussions and potential life-altering injuries for eleven-year-olds, um, which is kind of nice <laughs> to see. Uh, yeah. I was really high on it until you talked me down, and now I look at it and I kind of look at it like, um, and it's another movie you probably haven't seen. It's called For the Love of the Game, and it's a Kevin Cosner baseball movie that's like basically has okay. like five actual baseball scenes in it and it's like about him having a boner for baseball and like his love relationships around the game and stuff and yeah it's it's a sports movie that's not really a sports movie
1: yeah yeah well at least it takes the direction I, that was the weakness again of this movie but would have tried to like lean into the romance it would have been great if it was leaning into the sports it would have been great if it would have leaned in more to the comedy it would have been great but you just came out not knowing exactly what it was
0: yeah, they tried to do, like, a, a complete, like, cover all the bases, and as a result, they just really didn't tick off any of the boxes because they were too thin everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, ultimately, thank you for ruining uh, what I thought I liked in a movie, and,
1: uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah I, uh, I'm glad I wasted $4 renting that on Amazon today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. We shouldn't split it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it should have, like, screen shared <laughs> or something. All right. uh, So we're going to dump mystery, Alaska, and uh, we're going to move into our actual fantasy hockey draft uh, that we held, you know, what, a week and a half ago, New Year's Day. Uh, Oh, yeah. 16 days ago now. It makes it easy uh, when it's on New Year's Day. So uh, a lot of teams auto drafted, obviously. Um, We had a lot of keepers. Um, So first off, like what what's your approach to like evaluating the draft? What are you looking at?
1: Uh, so, I'm a nerd. I don't know anything about hockey. I don't know how to pronounce any of these players' names. I don't watch the news. I watch very few games every year. Uh, so, it's all the math for me. Uh, it's the numbers. I have no emotional attachment to any of these players. Uh, I, I do a, um, a value over replacement player formula every year to different varying degrees of complexity. And so uh that's a, it's just cold, hard, robotic like numbers. That's cold, all I do in the Cold, Hard
0: vorp. Just just whipping yeah. my vorp out and driving it home over and over and over again. It's exciting. Yeah. Um I mean maybe that's what makes you a good general manager. I mean the cold yeah, hard data. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, so even on my defensive players this year, I, like, ran out of time. I didn't even put their names in my spreadsheet. Like, they literally were just a list of numbers. Which was actually one like of the had funnier things in. to
0: me because you're always super prepared for the draft, and you're always, like, on top of these things, and you're like, I don't even have that guy on my list. I don't even have that guy on my list. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> like, the 15th rated defenseman in the league, and you, you're out of defensemen already. Like... And yeah. in my in my like my player list, um, I think it shows because I have you ranked. Um, I think no, actually, I have you ranked number one in defenseman, which is insane to me, considering that you had no idea. What, but maybe you were just listening to Yahoo at that point.
1: Uh, no, I uh, over I've overvalued defenseman probably in my formulas. I think um, okay,
0: but... I mean, I can see why though. Cool. I mean, you have what maybe four five elite defensemen who are going to score at a high level and then the drop off from that right from those elite yeah. defensemen down to the yeah. next level of defensemen is pretty dramatic so yeah. i guess chase those guys and that was one of the things when i i went back and i looked at the way that i ranked things because uh, looking at your team specifically uh, i have your average unit ranked at uh, number five and let me back up uh, real quick because the way that I do it, um, and I'm curious where you pull your values from. I just trust Yahoo. Whatever Yahoo tells me is their expected uh, point output or their expected draft value, I just use that yep. and then I adjust that number based on our actual league salary cap. Yep.
1: Uh, I, it depends on the year. Uh, if so, if I'm pinched for time and I'm not finishing my spreadsheets, i just use Yahoo. But I've used up to... Probably four or five different websites, and uh, that's when it got super complex. That's when I used to have pages and pages and pages of spreadsheets because I would, because uh, not all the websites you can customize for your scoring format. So I would have to take each statistical category and then use the formulas, obviously, to create how many points projected that would be, and then uh, like put them all together and either average them or something like that, maybe a weighted average. Right, like, I did not do that this year, but I have in the past gone that.
0: Crazy. You have a wife and five kids. Where Where are they when all of this is happening?
1: Yeah, well, it depends on where we're at and what we're doing. So this year it was not an option. Uh, but some some years, um, depending on when we're doing the draft, I have a little more time than other years.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's another good point, too. Like, this draft was kind of – I mean, we scheduled it kind of last second, right? Uh, we knew the season was coming, mm-hmm. but – the NHL also kind of scheduled their season at the last second. And there's a lot of like weird injury stuff out there right now. And and there's a lot of like wild cards this year compared to other years. But yeah, Yeah. so I just, I pull value value straight down from Yahoo. Um, uh, I have a note here somewhere. I think fantasy sports, um, and this is standard fantasy sports are like a $3 billion industry. That's not even those daily fantasy gambling sites. That's like just standard You know, leagues like the one that we're in, it's a $3 billion industry. And so like, I'm like, okay, I have a general respect for the people that they're probably paying to put these stats together. And I don't think that I could personally do a better job. Your approach to surveying multiple sites, I mean, just repeats that process and and probably gets closer to what their actual result is because you're getting the average from all the experts.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So then what I did is I took um, the ranks from Yahoo for everybody uh, that was drafted, and I did a couple of different things. So I went with uh, the average player rank on your full, your full roster, you know, and obviously the closer you are to zero, the better your roster is, because the, the, the lower the number, the higher the rank. And then I also broke it down by units, but this is where I knew that I had some mistakes and that your VORP approach is definitely superior and that's when I was looking at your goalies. So I have you as the fourth-rated um, goalie squad for all the teams. The, mm-hmm. Your unit of goalies is the fourth best. But you have the best goalie, um, and he's the best goalie by far, right? Uh, Andre Vasilevsky uh, is yeah. easily the best goalie in the league.
1: And it's not hell, hell yeah, Buck. Um, you know, won the whatever trophy last year.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I would assume that um is going to you know, rock more wins just because Tampa Bay is a team that, that wins a lot of games. Um, yeah. yeah, Hellebuck definitely had more uh, shutouts and everything, right? But still, yeah. Yahoo's ranking even has it as uh, as Andre Vasilevsky being number eight, and then Connor Hellenbuck being number 16. And then from there, it starts to drop off even more, like 31, 34. And then you're in the 60s and so. So having a really, really heavy top for your goalie, it's going to, like, your average doesn't look good, but he's going to get all the starts and that's where you're going to be playing all your time. So you're going to be getting his points and not your fourth goalies points for the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. So methodology aside, who do you feel like, um, well, and talk a bit, little bit about um, your pre-draft rate, because you went through and you actually did something that I didn't do. And you rated our keepers. You, you looked at the value that we saved as managers and the keepers that we selected uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so again, just seeing how much value you're getting, I think I complained um, publicly about the goalies that you kept were both amazing values, and I don't know how intentional you were with that last year. And I don't, I don't remember last year at all. Like it was a nightmare year, obviously. So I don't know. Uh, I was thinking too much yeah, about you, keepers. you blacked out. You woke
0: that. up. You took second. It was it was a horrible year for me. Yeah. You, yeah.
1: Even if I, even if we were in a keeper league, I like I felt like I was surprised to hear that we were in a keeper league. Um, but um, anyways, so yeah, like in so you obviously those two goalies were ranked at the top. Like I feel like you had a what I calculated was a hundred eighty dollar jump out of the gate in value that you were saving uh, by the keepers that you kept. Um, so I've, I've looked at all that. And so obviously the some of the newbies were at a disadvantage because um, they didn't get to be as strategic in their supers. So well, I, it's kind of uh, interesting because the
0: way that we did it for the new teams is we actually let them have basically an expansion draft. So after we divvied up the divisions, um, every player that was not kept from your division was available to you in the keeper wow. draft. But what the new people did is they went for the higher-priced you know, skill players who are going to put up a lot of points, they weren't necessarily looking for value when they made those picks, it seems like. Yeah. So, yeah. looking at your rankings, they definitely, they, they hurt quite a bit. Um, I think the other funny one in here is Jess's keepers um, really set her back. She lands in second to last with a negative uh, $165 uh, gained yeah. with her keepers, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with, like, Sydney Crosby. Um yeah. It's just not a not a good look being loyal to people. It goes back to your point. You've got to be cold and robotic and just be like, Hey, sorry, homie, your time has come. Yeah, so she paid two hundred and thirty eight dollars for Sidney Crosby and his value was just under ninety dollars. So she lost hundred and forty nine dollars on Sidney Crosby. And then yeah. Um, yeah, pretty pretty brutal.
1: Well that's that's again that I could be wrong, that's Jacob's value, that's what I evaluated him at. Um and then Holtby as well, but I would so she might have had him Evaluated higher, but I, I would say with both those guys—it's name recognition and um, just being a hockey fan. Yeah, I saw. Well, it's in my math.
0: You look at the top five I'm in the league. The top five were going for you know close to like two hundred twenty to two hundred forty dollars, like in that realm, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the superstar that Sidney Crosby is—he's definitely not carrying that value at this point in his career. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to argue about. She definitely overpaid there, right? Whereas, like, I feel like I know that I overpaid a little bit for Leon Dreisaitl, um, but it only comes out to, like, a $13 overpayment in your methodology, and, you know, you get a top three center, and, and, you know, you can count on him for points. It still sucks to drop 220 on a player, but, you know, a little more value there, it feels like.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think there's people that know more than me. Like, uh, you guys probably know more about, like, who their line mates are, maybe, yeah, who had them undervalued, or, uh, maybe someone above them gets hurt, and they're gonna be up on the power play now. Um, so, like, even, I, I do the same, I don't watch very much football either, and I won my fantasy football league last year, but one of the things I did is I drafted Antonio Brown, because I was just looking at numbers, and I wasn't yeah. watching the news and i had no idea that he wasn't going to play the whole
0: season. So And you still won your so. league? Like you drafted a guy who was like literally not rostered and won your league.
1: Yeah, well we we all make mistakes. Like we're all half players on our team.
0: I just hurt. I so am just... baffled by like how lucky you get in some of these leagues. Like i knew i know, right. I know that you you play with us and all we're right. all idiots and that's why you win so many years in a row. I mean you won when we drafted a team for you while you were in Africa. Um, I just thought that somewhere out there you'd be in a league with somebody who is actually good at this stuff.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's what it is. There is definitely an element. I haven't blown away any of those three years that I won. Like, I won in very tight playoff races.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. Okay, so then you expanded past that. So you've got the um, the pre-draft uh, keeper values in there. You dropped a team in here somewhere um, on the I actual spreadsheet. I dropped
1: Curtis. I didn't have his keepers for some reason in my spreadsheet. So Curtis,
0: oh, okay, okay, uh, and I think Curtis actually ended up doing pretty good. Um, but you take that, and then you go over to the draft, and you take the points projected through the draft, and you compare it to your keepers to kind of like isolate the draft and say this is how good you actually were on draft day um, compared against how good you were at keeping your keepers, which I think was pretty cool, yeah. pretty slick. I-, I like it. It looks good. Um,
1: yeah. So let me, I'll let me run it down. Like yeah. let me just um just to, like simplify it as much as possible. So I'll I'll list what, how everyone on the in the league did. So this is saying, hey, if you were projected based on your keepers, you had the best values for keepers. AJ, you had the best values for your keepers. You were at a hundred and eighty dollar advantage. So you should have come out number one uh, in the projected points for the league, but you actually came in number three. So you lost, in the draft, you lost to um, two levels yeah. of um, projection. Um, so, like, the, to not even list where you're at necessarily, but just to say this is how you either advanced your position or fell a couple slots in your position. Yeah, so arguably so I, so I, are you, I, I underperformed. Yeah, yeah, in the draft according to Jacob, again, which can be total bullshit. Uh, but, like, Ashton, um, she dropped three spots. Uh, Pepe went up a spot. Michael dropped five. Uh, Ashley and D1Y um, – D1Y or D1Y1? d one y Ashley – Ashley and Dave, both were even just jumped four spots. She looks like a scary team to me. Like, she did really well in the draft, and she has some good amount of cap space. Um, yeah. to throw her some love. And then Melissa gained a spot, and then you and David both dropped two spots. I have Isaiah jump in a spot. And he's always, obviously, very dangerous. Um, and then... I think that I rated myself the best, obviously, because I was using my own evaluation. Well, you know, you uh, you took you out.
0: took a big L last year during the season, so you've got to give yourself, you know, some sort of, you know, even if it's just a moral victory, just something to feel good about yeah. coming into this year, right? But I, yeah, I, I mean, right. I landed I on the same thing, right? We used the same the same projections for scores, um, and then coming out of the draft, I also had your team as having the highest point projection. Um, so I mean, yeah. we agree there. I mean, I think yeah. your team, and then when you look at those point projections and you look at the rest of your division, I mean, it goes you and then the next three teams by point projection are all in my division. You know, it goes Isaiah, me, Uh David. Yeah. So I feel like you're, you've definitely got a major upper hand um, in your division. I was looking at, at my division and I I was kind of asking the question, like, who do we think if we had to make a prediction was going to win um, a division and I don't know. I mean, Isaiah, you know, tends to be scary, but he had a terrible year last year. Terrible. And I don't really know why. It just seemed like he sucked and then he gave up. Uh, yeah. Mike has a really good Did team. Did he
1: auto-draft? Did no, he, he, auto-draft was, this year? he was
0: drafting. I was texting him. Um, I thought maybe he was too, but he was. He just didn't communicate, but he was actually drafting.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Mike, I'll I feel like, has there. a good team. Uh, Curtis seems like he has a pretty solid team. But I also don't know that they'll remember to set their lineups and I don't know like what their actual GM performance is going to look like. So yeah, when I was like, who's going to win my division? I was kind of like Jess probably. I mean, I I have a hard time picking myself because uh, I'm just eternally pessimistic about these sorts of things. And I know I'm going to do something dumb and run out of cap space, you know, with two weeks to go in the season. So
1: (laughs) no, it's going to be good. I think there's a lot of parody. Um, It's going to be good. There always is. And then again, like some, a lot of these rankings are based on the total team, but you know, some of those skaters don't get to skate because you yeah. can't, you can't start everyone.
0: Well, and I, I was thinking about yours. I have your, your forward um, group rated as the 10th highest forward group. I feel like that's a, a pretty true projection though, because you don't have any forwards on your bench. Like you
1: yeah, <laughs> you
0: drafted five goalies and I, I think I saw that yeah. you made a move. Did you drop a goalie?
1: No, uh, but if anyone wants a goalie or even two goalies and would like to give up a right wing or even any skater, but preferably a right wing, I am very open to that. I'll just go ahead and throw that out here and plug um, a trade uh, block uh, on this podcast.
0: Um, Ashton has four right wings on her team, and while she does have three goalies, they're all pretty freaking terrible. Um, so <laughs> I feel like that's your natural trade partner in this. Uh, the challenge yeah. is that she doesn't have any cap space, right? Like, cause she auto drafted. So you're probably going to take a hit there, but that'll be yeah. pretty funny. Ashton actually uh, sent me a message and she was just cracking up. She was watching the draft, but was working. So she wasn't doing anything. And she just kept looking at her roster and, you know, a couple of rounds later, she'd look again, a couple of rounds later. And she's like, at some point, it's just like, okay, I'm not taking a goalie in this draft. Like, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. Ashton, if you want to throw
1: something out there, I'll take a look at it.
0: Um, All trades have a, uh, a week pending period, by the way, um, because I have to review them all to make sure they work in the cap space. So if you do make a trade, just text me. I won't make you wait a week. I just got to make sure the cap numbers work. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I break it down, I show that you have the highest point projection. I think Isaiah's team does look really scary. I think he had a really, really great draft. He had a pretty solid keeper list as well. Um, I don't know. I I mean, Isaiah won the league the first year. You won it the next three. Um, I really feel like it's going to come down to you two again, uh, unless Isaiah gets pissed and stops playing. (laughs)
1: Let's hope that does not happen because it will be epic. The reverse jinx. Yeah, Um, totally, totally.
0: Cool. But yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know. The draft was kind of wonky. Uh, When people auto-draft, it always happens that way, and we knew that there was going to be some crap happening there, but um, I'm going to post the the little table uh, to the blog itself, just so people can kind of look at it to see where their teams are and how they they feel about it. Um, But yeah, man, it's been fun. Uh, We actually filled up pretty close to 90 minutes worth of content here. (laughs) <laughs> on, a movie, on a movie that you hated and a um, a VORP-heavy draft analysis. Um,
1: yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to listen to the full 90 minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like as soon as somebody hears VORP, they're going to be like, fuck this, I'm out.
1: That's <laughs> very exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I appreciate the time. Thanks for being my first ever podcast guest. That is so awesome. I really appreciate yeah. you doing this. I appreciate you letting me bounce the idea off you last week and kind of talking through it and testing some stuff out. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to listen to the recording. I hope it came down really well. But but I feel like we had a good conversation. I feel like it was fun.
1: Yeah, no, it was awesome. Can't wait to do it again.
0: Yeah, man. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Have a great night. And, uh, yeah, good luck this week.
1: Uh Bye. -bye.
0: Later. All right. So that uh, that will do it for episode one of the Never Odd or Even podcast. I am super excited to have this one in the books. And honestly, that was a ton of fun. Um, super special thanks to Jacob, who put in way more effort on the movie research than I expected him to. I knew that I was going to spend hours this week uh, dissecting that movie and trying to find things to talk about. I just kind of expected him to fly by the seat of his pants. But he came super prepared, and it made the whole thing a ton of fun. Uh, also a super special fuck you to Jacob for a ruining movie that I thought I liked, um, you know, talk about shattered dreams. So anyway, as always, a uh, feedback's appreciated. Uh, let me know what you guys think. And, and, you know, feel free to, to throw in some burning questions. If you had some, we can do some Q and a on the podcast occasionally and be sure to look for us next week when I'm sure somebody will talk me out of uh, princess bride as a top three movie. Um, so, you know, good luck to everybody in their games this week, except for Michael, who's currently beating me by 13 points. Thanks to Thomas hurdle, who I would have drafted if not for the J.T. fucking Miller incident. Shit. So I, um, I guess the best way to end this then is to, uh, to quote Marla Burns, you know, young, naive, jizz-filled condom in her hand. Does this mean we're done?